another episode of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. On this week's episode, we're talking with Jonathan Ferrer of Brew Watches about his latest release, the Retromatic. We talk with Jonathan a little bit about the design process of the Retromatic, and then get into a little bit of a tangent about roof racks. After that, we finish off the episode with talking to Jonathan about his magazine, Brew Time. Welcome, everybody, to episode 45, 45 of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. And if I'm doing my math correctly, our guest was on 27 episodes ago. We have John from Brew Watches back. He was on episode 18 all the way back in May. We had to do a little bit of research before uh, before we sat down to record. So, John, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. It's It's been too long. It has. It's been almost six months Almost exactly six months we talked about that. And if I'm remembering correctly, we were talking about a new watch that may or may not be coming out. That I mean, it, it obviously has come out. Um, you shared a few of the design details on that episode. Uh, we all now know what you mean, uh, which and I think it turned out, turned out really well. Um, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But we always start, as you know, with a drink check and a wrist check. So what are you drinking and what are you wearing? Uh, so I have bullet bourbon with a cherry tossing and on an ice cube. And I am wearing the Retromatic with the burgundy dial. Tonight. That is my favorite because um, that's the one that I bought. <laughs> 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 well, I guess uh, so we don't bury the lead. I'll just go ahead and go next. I am drinking. Uh, we I was up uh, visiting family for Thanksgiving. Don't worry, everybody. We quarantined prior to going up. Everybody was safe who partook in Thanksgiving. Um, but as, as my listeners know, uh, or as listeners know, for some reason I have, I can find better selection in Mishawaka, Indiana than I can in Cincinnati, Ohio of bourbon, which is literally just across the state line from where I currently live in, in Cincinnati. So I picked up a Henry McKenna single barrel tenure, uh, up in, uh, in Mishawaka. It was barreled, put in the barrel on January 18th of 2010. Um, it says that handwritten right on the bottle. Um, and it's my first time with this one, and uh, I can see why it won Whiskey of the Year in 2019. It is damn good. I am very impressed. Uh, very smooth, very easy to drink, especially for 100 proof. It's strong. Um, and then I think this is the first time this has ever happened. I know we've had two of the same model on before, like we've had two Speedmasters on, but I don't think we've ever had people with two of the same watches because I am also wearing a Brew Retromatic with the Burgundy dial. Um, so John and I matched tonight, uh, which like I said, first time for everything. This is very exciting. Um, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but obviously big fan. Uh, it's on my wrist. It's on most bruise days. It's on the day that we dropped the podcast. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's fun to, I just, I grab it a lot. It's, it's fun. So we'll talk about that more later. Spangler, what are you wearing? What are you drinking? Uh, so what I'm drinking is a, a extra special blend that I was able to find at a local store in the area, Jungle Gyms. Now, we all know that I'm a, a very big fan of a certain type of beer, uh, one with a blue <laughs> ribbon, some may say. And I was able to find this bad boy, which I'd never seen before, at uh, our local store. And it's PBR Extra. Ooh! <laughs> PBR Extra. So if you want to, you know, throw up a little bit extra at that local dive bar embarrass your family just that little bit extra over the holidays or just be an extra disappointment to yourself this is the one for you six and a half percent of fun and it still comes with the blue ribbon 
it's it's great. What can I say? It's can it's become a new favorite because it looks different. It's it's all black, same blue ribbon, uh, maybe some yellow highlights, but yeah, you can find it in a. I found it in an all black twelve pack. So if you're out there hunting, good luck. <laughs> On the wrist, I have uh, one of my favorite watches that I've actually been wearing probably since I bought it. Probably one of my top two. It's the uh, one of the new Willard models. The Seiko SPB 153, the olive green Willard, and I love it. Especially since people in the Red Bar Cincy group have been uh, snatching a few of them up, I figured I'd wear it to uh, show my appreciation for it. So that's what I've got. All right. I guess I'm taking us home. And how I don't think that you can ever possibly top our, our first ever watch twinsies. Plus. <laughs> A new to me admission that essentially PBR ice exists. Oh yes. <laughs> I mean, boy, that puts all the ice house I used to drink in college to shame. <laughs> that that's just special right there. That's boy. only the tip of the rabbit hole of PBR buzz. It is. It is. I, I still insist that it, it won the blue ribbon some year that the Kaiser took all the rest of the beers and it won by <laughs> default. But 1881 was unopposed. Exactly. That's <laughs> all right. I've, I, I have a special place in my heart for PBR. Okay. Drink. I had a nice little streak going of having fun drinks related to our guests. Sorry, John, I broke the streak tonight. <laughs> I've I've got zombie dust tonight. Ooh. To to the uninitiated, that sounds like something that is now legal to consume in Oregon. But it's actually <laughs> it's actually a pale ale from Three Floyds Brewing. Typically, I get my zombie dust from a friend that lives in Chicago who swings by the brewery in Munster, Indiana on his way to fishing weekends. But no fishing weekends this year, so I had to buy it at Kroger like a normie. <laughs> coincidentally it is rated 91 on the beer connoisseur website <laughs> so apparently i just drink a minus level drinks all the time <laughs> that and your canadian whiskey man uh, and whatever that wine is that my wife has upstairs the 91 from the beverage tasting institute <laughs> unbelievable really zombie dust is great I I adore it. I I really have been missing the picking it up by the case uh, that uh, I'd get from my friend, but it's all right. It's all right. On my wrist, <laughs> I have my Breitling Colt Chrono Super Quartz on. When I I don't know if I typically bring up the dial on this watch. It is fantastically detailed much like a, a cool watch that we're going to be talking about that we've already talked about, uh, the uh, Retromatic. But on mine, I really like uh, looking at the dial, the uh, Breitling medallion, the winged medallion at 12 is really ornate. Both the dial and the subdials actually have concentric grooves, like a, a record. Uh, there's some polished rings around the subdials, and then the hour markers themselves are mostly polished, which is small um, womb plots on the outside. 
kind of end of them. And, you know, it, they, they did a really great job with it. Bright Wings are not everyone's cup of tea, understandably. And even, you know, even this one, I think that uh, if they had it in, it, it's obviously it's an old model, right? Um, if they had it a little bit wider, but not any thicker, I, I think that might even be a little better. But yeah, I, I like this watch. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, let's go ahead and dive right into it. Um, we can talk a little bit more about the watch that John and I are both wearing. We can talk about the other colors as well, the green, the blue, and the black. Um, uh, you know, we, we, we talked the last time that you were planning on coming out with, uh, with a new watch. You kind of hinted at what it was going to be like. Obviously now, um, I would say just by the amount of retromatics I've seen on Instagram – with the uh, with the accounts that I follow, I think uh, I would I would say the launch has has been fairly successful. I would take it, John. Yeah, yeah, this is the busiest I've been in a very long time. It's also this time of the year. I think more people are, are looking at watches for themselves and as gifts for other people. So there's a lot of things that are attributed to it. But you know, uh, I think the bottom line is that I don't release new models often, and similar to a lot of other micro brands. So when we do make a launch or a drop, whatever you want to call it. I think the attention is there and the focus is like, oh, well, this person or this brand's been working on this for a very long time. You know, let, let's take a closer look. And I think over the years, that attention and focus has gotten better. And of course, people with most companies will, will buy more over the years. You know, if you have a good track record and, you know, you've proven yourself well. But, you know, it, it's really interesting to see more enthusiasts paying closer attention to the finishing, the colors, the, the movements, all these little ornate details that make it interesting. And that's just, I think, also um, built up more uh, on, on social, the, the conversations that people have about these designs. Oh, definitely. And I, I can I can speak to, I think, my favorite part of the, the one that I have is definitely the dial. I mean, the case shape is phenomenal. It wears so comfortably, yet still has good wrist presence. The bracelet is unique, but the dial, and, and I can't speak to the other colors because this is the only one I've seen in person. And I, I, I will say both Evan and Buzz have, have seen this watch in person. We've, you know, we've had other watches in for review and I was, oh, you got to see this. Like I, I made sure they saw it because I knew we were going to have you back on. Um, the way the dial plays with light um, just blows my mind because it, it's, it's burgundy, but in the right light, it's a little bit more purple and a little bit more pink. And then sometimes it's a little bit of a darker, deep, rich maroon type of color. And the Sunray finish, if how you did that with the, the little circle cutouts is amazing. That is, it just, it plays with the light so well, but you can still see all the details. So I guess talk about how you went about doing that. Is, is that the same on, on all of the models, all the different colors? I guess talk us a little bit about talk to us a little bit about the process there because the dial I think is it's 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 what really really kind of captures my attention. Yeah, um, it's funny because it is a three tier dial and uh, the sunburst effect that you're talking about it's basically from where people are listening about this from the center of the dial outwards it's, it's an outer brushing and that effect is created by before the plating and before the, the holes are actually uh, stamped out. It's, how do you say, uh, you have the sunburst 
brushing effect first, and then it gets its metallic plating on top, and it's it's brushed deep enough that you still have that texture showing through it. Um, but yeah, what is interesting about that brushing is that it does give you all those different highlights and different tones of that color. And uh, I, I've had many people ask me, oh, I saw it online, it's this color, but now I have it in hand and it represents more more dark maroon or red or, or almost purple. And you know, you can only, from my uh, email, give a, a customer or owner so much information, but my real detailed answer would be like, it depends on the light that you're in. If you're in outside sunshine, now there's different times of the day. In the beginning of the day, it might be like a warm yellow light. It goes more to a white light at like 12 noon. Then you have your golden hour, so it's more yellow and then blue hour. And depending on what time of the day and where you are, the color of your dial will definitely change. That's, that's almost like a photographer's point of view. Um, but that's how natural light works um, on color. And now also with people that are looking at this watch indoors, depends on your lighting indoors. So most people have yellow um, light lighting in, indoors. So that yellow light gets mixed with any color that you see. For instance, if it's the, the burgundy dial, it's going to make it feel a little bit warmer, uh, darker, even more matte. Um, because you lose some of those highlights indoors. So I always say to a person, it's hard. You can't just email a person and say, wait till the morning, go outside. <laughs> but you have to be very, you know, to the point. You say, um, you know, for color reference, uh, look at the videos and photos. I do my very best job to communicate. But I really just want to say, you know, go outside in the morning and check it out. Um, so, yeah, if there's anyone indoors and it's nighttime and you have a lamp, You'll get the details of the watch. You'll get the overall impression, but there's nothing like getting its its most beautiful impression, which is for me outdoors. You know, even a cloudy day, because uh, you guys take great photos. A cloudy day diffuses the light, gives a nice um, how you say it's not partially. It's just a nice glow that gives that nice white, um, unfiltered. There's no mix of any other colors. And gives you the best impression. So there's there's so many things, and that's just the, the simple color of the dial, um, and then of course that that brushing that really brings up the highlights and textures. There's a lot to it. There really, I mean, there really is. It's it's been like I said, it's been a fun piece to wear in di- in all the different lighting. I mean, it it's easy. To, it's easy. It's an easier watch to photograph, but you want to make sure that it. And, and I almost like capturing all the different colors that it, it, it's been because, you know, it, you're right. It looks, it looks deeper, darker inside, outside, it, you know, color really pops. It's been, it's been a fun piece to, to photograph and, and put on the wrist uh, quite a bit. I, I love the fact. So I, I made a beeline over to Spence's house <laughs> when they got it and yeah. Two, two thumbs up from the buzz, man. I see that uh, you have sold out of a ton of watches on your website. So that's that's a, a pretty good uh, good indicator, um, including the one that I like the most. I love that navy with the yellow seconds hand. I mean, it's not really a navy. It's not really that dark. Um but man, I love the fact that you 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 didn't go full technicolor, 
but you kept kept the fun going. You, you had the the yellow seconds hand on on three of your four colorways. Uh, I, I I love that that navy and yellow. The, the the black and yellow one is very cool. It gives me uh, like Bumblebee Aqua Terra vibes, even though it's absolutely nothing like that watch. <laughs> it's that still that same fun combination. And I mean, really, the the green and the yellow uh, looks striking. I mean, that's that's a very good combo, and that's one that you don't often see. Did you? Did you know from the the beginning that you were going to have some of them with like a, a quote unquote crazy uh, colored hands? Uh, were were any of these kind of last minute calls that eh, hey I'll, I'll I'll just put the yellow one on and see what happens? Like what did that creative process look like? Yeah, that's a great question. The, these final colors that were finally produced were after so much time of trying different colors. So the colors were actually much more wild in the sampling phase. I was doing, since it's a three tier dial, sandwich dial, I was able to do different color layers. What I learned was if you do double layers of different colors, for instance, I had copper and black, it looks like polka dots. Not something that you until you see it in person. <laughs> Even on the computer, it looks great. But then you get it in your eyes. It's you know, it's it's playing tricks in your eyes. Oh, like moray and all of that. Exactly. It was uh, if you can't get the baseline, which is to tell the time. I was like, ooh, yeah, cool design. It might be you know almost sculptural, but clarity wasn't there. So I had to remove those. But it was like, if you're doing a sandwich dial, it's one of the coolest things is to play with the contrast of colors. It came off where it wasn't digestible or, or visually clear. So I removed those. Uh, I was doing bright, almost teals and whites and oranges, really vivid, bright colors. Um, but one of the things that helped me narrow down to these color colors, I thought about when I would release them, what colors people would wear the most often? Because you do have to be reasonable to an extent. You know, still have fun, but be reasonable. Um, so I narrowed it down to these specific colors, knowing that I would release these watches one in, in autumn, fall, but also knowing that these would be wearable throughout the year. I was thinking to the photography that I would be shooting these. I would be in the, the foliage of, of autumn. I'm thinking browns, greens, tans. I was like, that's perfect. I'll have my green. Um, Burgundy was a total out of left field. I was, I just wanted to experiment with a unique color. And I specifically didn't do a color on the hand for the second hand on that. Definitely not yellow. Yellow is just conflicting. It doesn't work in that grouping of colors at all. Um, so I, I wanted to keep the burgundy solid to burgundy because it's already ha- it has enough volume with that dial to add any more. I thought it would be too loud, uh, not wearable. It would be cool to look at a few times and then wouldn't be so wearable. Um, but green, um, green was a big one just because of the, the time of the year. I wanted to release that in the fall. That worked out perfect. It was like the look I wanted. Um, burgundy as well. 
And the black was more like my brawn watches. Because you know brawn watches. It's like you have your black, your yellow. That was my, my industrial design, um, my designer watch. Um, and then, of course, the blue with the yellow, it was still fun, still played with the, the retro color scheme really well. But the final mission was, would these be colors that people would want to wear? And, and you know, there, you and I could always agree, there's always watches that look really nice on the computer. Everyone will take fantastic shots of it. But there's there's a line of what looks cool on the shelf and what would I actually wear most mm-hmm. often. And these, I was just imagining, would be most successful for pickup and wear most often. Not just pickup and then it goes back in the watch box for months and months and months. That's that's super cool. And I, I can definitely see a, a fall-inspired palette here that uh that, that's kind of cool it's you know if we if you had it released in in summer if the plan was releasing it at the beginning of the summer it would have been Miami you know, colors yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah yeah all sorts of teals and crazy stuff like that that's cool and the i think you made the right call sticking with the white seconds hand uh, on the burgundy it's it's more than enough as is so i also have to add here that when i went over to spence's place and i saw the watch one i'm super biased towards your watches since i was a barista for five years so everything about them i thoroughly enjoy um but when I saw it, aside from the dial and how great that was, the bracelet was something that I was just taken aback by. It's such a unique bracelet, and especially when it comes to micro brands that I've seen, um, a lot of them tended to kind of just follow this typical pattern of like just oyster style bracelets, and you know not much to them. Um, but when it comes to your watch. I just immediately noticed how unique it was. And I really haven't noticed any other watches with that. And when it comes down to it, like that bracelet was also incredibly sturdy. Like it wasn't just something just like thrown together. It wasn't like, you know, shittily made. It seemed quality and it felt great. So can you just walk us through how that bracelet design came about since it's so unique? Yeah, definitely. that's another good question. There's so many brands that miss on bracelets because it's a very expensive part to make. It's also not just cost, but knowing that you're making something new that hasn't been tested before, that's gonna take the most abuse. I mean, you design something like this, like a bracelet, you wanna know that it's gonna work long-term. I mean, imagine putting out hundreds, or if you want those brands, into thousands of a bracelet that'll just fall apart in time. And, and the reason I say that, because uh, you asked about the process, for this specific bracelet, it was a game of getting the dimensions correct because one of the things that's most important is how it flexes uh, across your, your wrist. And that flex across your wrist, you don't think about. But if the links are too thick on, on a design such as this, then it won't flex. It'll be so stiff that it almost gives an arc, but it won't give like a full flex. Um, so originally the links were thicker. It was like three and a half millimeters thick. It was too thick. It wouldn't um, fold over the wrist. And now 
I had to take into account it's not just men that are buying this watch, but different women as well. So accommodating for even smaller wrist sizes. So that you have to take into account how many links are removable. Um, how much can this flex um, to accommodate for, for smaller wrist sizes? But also um, these links have to accommodate for the construction that I designed, have to accommodate for an inside center link that sits in there. To have that center link sit inside, it needs a little cubby space. And that little cubby space means this outer link has to be milled out. Mm-hmm. Since that's milled out, that link, so to speak, has just become weaker. You can't go too, you basically can't drill too deep because that link will lose its structural integrity. It could break the links um, where they had the pin go through. The pin could break the link. It's not something that you would think for a stainless steel. You say, oh, it's such a strong material. But when you weaken it by removing material, then long-term integrity is compromised. So what I don't talk about often is I basically took this specific design of this bracelet and milled it down to like the bare bones. If I had gone any thinner for this bracelet, I could bend it and it would just absolutely break. Um, But we went to the point where this three millimeter bracelet is strong enough where it'll still hold up over time and won't break. Um, definitely tested that, but also gives the the flexibility for most wrist sizes. It, the fact uh, that that you're talking about, you know, being sure to have enough removable links uh, to accommodate smaller wrists, I I can see that being a a big um, thing that you have to trade off because that bracelet's got a beautiful taper to it Mm -hmm. um so if you don't put enough removable links you're leaving out a lot of people that would otherwise like the uh, bracelet you put in too many and that that beautiful taper becomes very inelegant and on top of that you've got a hidden clasp so you need to to be able to 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 trade off how that works too um, that's, that's really, that's a, that's a cool highlight into something that a lot of people wouldn't think through because you are making a new bracelet. This isn't just an oyster style or a beads of rice style bracelet. Um, that's, that's really super cool. I, I, I make new things uh, for a living. So I, you know recognize the the fun uh inherent to to the uh, pursuit uh, and, oh yeah please i was gonna say just they're completely right that the the taper on this is amazing and it's it's very quick and you know that that's one of the things that i think you know is a, is a one of the things i like the most is because it's an, I don't want to I don't want to call it an aggressive taper, but it happens very quickly in the first you know probably four to five links. Mm-hmm. But with what, the way it sits on the wrist, it I mean it works. And there are there are still I, I'm usually one of the folks who on the the men's watches I have I have a seven inch wrist, which is I think probably a little bit smaller than average. So I you know usually take out quite a few. 
but there's still quite a few removable links uh, on this one. And I, I can tell that you made sure to accommodate a varying, you know, varying amounts of wrist size here. Um, and it fits amazingly well. I mean, like you said, you know, with the, with the hidden butterfly clasp, it's just very simple. There's the one link that just says brew on it. It's nothing that's over the top. It's just the design is minimalist. Isn't the right word, but like just the way it, it, it works with the single solid links and the beautiful taper, it just, it, it really ties the whole thing together. It's amazing. Yeah. You won't typically see tapers, um, especially in micro brands. Uh, with a new bracelet because it's one of those things that you do that you can't exactly sell online. It's one of those things it's it's directly for the customer that will appreciate it when they handle it and have it for themselves. But to say, hey, we're going to do tooling specific to like the first majority amount of links, five for that matter, that costs a lot more. Um, it's a lot more labor to actually assemble these. To do that for any online or micro brand it almost doesn't make sense. This is like one of those things where it's like a component that the customer will appreciate when they receive it, but it's not something that really gets appreciated online so much. You know, they would just say, you know, just make any manufacturer will also say, are you sure you want to do a taper? Because it's going to be a lot more for X, Y, and Z reasons. They'll, they'll, they'll say, oh, you can make it perfect. It'll be nice and straight. It's the same thing. Everybody always pushes to make things more efficient. Um, but it's definitely one of those things where when you have the long-term goal to build relationships for, with people because they love your product, you know, you're not thinking about the small investment on a small component like that because you know it goes farther if the person enjoys that part of the watch as a whole, of course. But that specific little detail, and, and they add up, of course. Um, so, yeah, I, I still think there's a lot of investment into these little details that the customer will, will appreciate. So it's like, it's still in that stage of like, give more than, than like, what does they say? Over deliver, you know, um, on, on these parts that the customer can appreciate. Okay. But it, it's still, uh, still bracelet time. <laughs> can, can this, uh, bracelet on the retromatic, can it be used on the retrograph? Now, this this is a good question too. So the width on the retromatic flat link bracelet is twenty millimeter width lug width, but the retrograph chronograph is twenty two millimeters. Mm. So because this is two millimeters short, even if you put in even a, a longer twenty two millimeter pin, it would still wiggle back. It wouldn't it wouldn't look good, especially because it's integrated, right? Yeah. Well, the uh, master graph, same same thing. Yeah, master graph is the the same deal. Okay. Um, you know what? Since we're on the call, I mean, listeners won't be able to appreciate, but let me show you really quick with a, a master graph. That's how cool would it be to actually see this, and I can also show you the watch box. I'll try to talk about this because, again, for listeners, so. I'll talk about how I have my Warner Wow box. Okay, so. he does. It's the it's the toolbox full of brew. Yeah. <laughs> 2015, 2016. So I have like the first chronograph I made a very long time ago. Nobody sees or hears about it. It's kind of on the historic collection now. Large forty three millimeter case, and I went to a thirty eight millimeter case. Um, but you know what? Let me grab 
the, the master graph and I'll put the bracelet on. Again, I'll try to talk about it for people I can't see. So the master graph has a 22 millimeter lug width and we're going to try to put a 20 millimeter width bracelet on it from the retromatic. So here's the thing that I'm noticing, and this is what I think threw me. The end link or the integrated part that has the spring bar is 20, but that first link right below it flares out a little bit to the case. Exactly. And I think that's what threw me because the that first one, it wouldn't surprise me if that's 22. Yeah, there's a little wiggle. Yeah. Okay, but what is it like? Turn. I want to see what it looks like. I just like I know it's not going to fit right. I want to see what it looks like because I think it's going to look really cool. Okay, hold on. This is a hard one to hold. (laughs) By the way, for those playing along at home, switching out uh, bracelets and stuff is a lot easier with these really nifty quick release spring bars. Yes, (laughs) yes, it is. Okay, so I know it doesn't fit and it doesn't look quite right, but that that does I mean, I think the bracelet design is a winner just all around with your case shape, John. I really think yeah. it is. I think I, I, I think it was I think if you did a 22 in that bracelet, I think it would look really good on most of your watches. We should talk about that because you know what? Square watches are terrible at bracelets. Most bracelets. You put an oyster on it and it'll look like an off-the-shelf Junk, junk, junk fashion watch. Yeah. Um, Beads of rice on on this. Yeah, some people like it. Most bracelets don't work with a square case. Always round cases, super easy. Can't go wrong with a round watch. But square watches, for some odd reason, are so conflicting with bracelets. But for some, not for some crazy reason, I I do understand why these flat links work really well. they do. It's like the key to this puzzle, this puzzle of a watch that just hates bracelets. This is its best relationship right here. So that's <laughs> permanent marriage for life. They can't get divorced. If you try to remove them, they're going to end up back together eventually. I mean, I, I can tell you this. like We, we, we talked about design and, and bracelets and straps and all that a little bit before we started talking. I think this is a good segue into the uh, the whole idea of design and, and you know, people doing things and, and it will get into cars as well here. This is, I think, I mean, I have a lot, I'm, my collection is very dive watch heavy and dive watches sometimes look really good on rubber straps. They go good on NATOs. I mean, I have a bunch of straps that I can put on all my different dive watches of varying widths, I, you know, and, and, and they look great. Um, I don't know that this watch, despite, I mean, I appreciate, like, like Buzz said, I really appreciate the fact that you did do the quick release spring bars because it made it easier to take the bracelet off when I was sizing the bracelet because it's always better to do that with the bracelet, not on the watch. Just makes it easier uh, with the pin and collars. But I don't know that I will ever take this watch off of its bracelet again unless my wife wants to wear it for a bit and I have to size the bracelet for her. Like I don't think the bracelet's ever coming off because, I mean, yes, I've seen other people put it on a leather strap and it looks great on a leather strap. Don't get me wrong. It's a great, it's a great looking watch. But the bracelet to me just completes what this looks like. And I don't know that I would ever want to wear it on anything else. Yeah. You know, I see people on social media, see everything. And for (laughs) me, I always have to, how you say, take a step back and say, let everybody enjoy their watch in their own way, you know, to each their own. But most times when people swap out the straps, especially on this watch, 
I go, I like it, but I don't really like it that much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, you know. Granted, I I have a very open mind perspective on so many different things, especially watches, and even if things are different, I always find a way to appreciate it. But the, the strap options I've seen thus far haven't haven't really like piqued my like interest too much, but. You know, one day I'll, I'll definitely share and say, like, this is the one. And I'll probably find a way to do it, like, professionally on my side. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those where, like I said, like, I think all three of us can really appreciate how well you nailed this bracelet design that, I mean, I, I have no problem with people putting it on a strap, but it just, it looks so good. And we were talking about that with design, and we talked about, Anybody who follows your personal account knows, you know, you, you not only know all the trails around from cycling, uh, where, where you're at, um, near Manhattan or near the city, but you also know a lot of the good driving roads. And mm -hmm. I know we had messaged back and forth a little bit about the, uh, the new watch transportation system you were going to affix to the top of the 911 and how that ended up not working out. So let's talk a little bit more about why that didn't work out. And then like just design in general, because it's, People do it to cars. People do it to watches. I, let's just go down that rabbit hole a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So I think for every crazy decision I make, I always try to justify it with something productive. Same with travel. <laughs> I have to go to this country. I'm going to contact person X, Y, and Z while I'm there and try to make it productive. So when I got this car, it was like, oh my gosh, my 911 Porsche. Oh, that'll be that'll be so much fun. You know, have like a being a young guy having a, a, a fun car, especially now, it's like, I'm not trying to go out and converse with people in person. I just want to enjoy time by myself and, you know, whether I'm cycling or the car. So the car said, hmm, there is zero trunk room. There's enough to put like 12 watches, which is excellent, but I want to be able to handle new watches going out, watches I'm servicing. Like it's going to be a lot. How cool would it be if I put a roof rack on the lot uh, on the car, and then put one of these cargo almost looks like a sled, really small one, on top of it? That would kind of justify it. Now it's a transport vehicle. I'm doing this all, and I'm like this will be so much fun. It'll also be unique because I think we could talk about that more. It's you always want to make something personal in your own. Like you want to put your DNA on every like watch or car and whether it's a sticker or terrible ugly wheels on a car that are totally <laughs> unfair. You, you just want to put a little something so you know it's yours when you scan the parking lot you, you know it's yours and so i was like oh well let's do this little cargo bay on top of the car i put the roof rack on very easy 30 minutes screwed right in perfect and then i waited a week and i finally got my cargo bay which i thought was a sled it was much larger than i anticipated <laughs> i must have ordered the wrong one and i'll show you and try to describe it verbally so people can hear it was awful it looked a giant oh yeah that's big yeah that <laughs> yeah. That, that does not work on, on that car specifically. <laughs> so I made a mistake. I ordered one that was way too, too large for the car. 
And I was just like, this is ridiculous. It looks like a clown car. You just turned a luxury, beautiful vehicle that people dream of into like a nightmare. And like, that was just like, I, I just twisted myself in the heart. I was like, this is terrible. Not more than 10 minutes later, ripped it off, returned. And I was like, I can't do this. I'm like, it was that lesson learned. You always had to remind yourself. Sometimes things from the factory, whether it's a watch or a car, whatever it is, are perfect as they, they come. Somebody put a lot of thought to make it just right, whether it's the bracelet <laughs> on or the car as a sports car, it does its job. Don't touch it. Don't touch the wheels, the exhaust, whatever you want to play with. Don't touch it. And <laughs> that was, again, I just needed like a little pinch of reality. Like, okay, sounded good in theory. Maybe you had too much time at, at the moment. Don't do that again. that's uh i mean those roof racks they're they're good for utility and on a minivan or an suv or something like that where you're like i'm not this isn't to look cool at all this is because i literally need more space um and we yeah i i can see one of those eventually in my future uh only because I know we, we, we just upgraded our SUV situation. We now have the largest SUV that Ford makes. They don't make them any bigger. And I can still see a day where I will need more space than I currently have with that third row up. So I can see that roof rack in my future eventually. Um, and it's not going to be because I think it's not going to, it's going to be to look cool. And, and I think, like you said, if it, if you're using it for utility, it makes sense. But my guess is you probably got the whole passenger seat when you're you and your watch runs to, to go like move stuff in and out. You're like, eh, I can use the passenger seat. I actually, one time at a golf course, there was a guy, he's, he was a doctor and I saw him golfing there regularly um, at the golf course across the street from my house that I also played frequently. And this is at our old house. And he, he and his wife would meet up for dinner at the restaurant there and they would always drive separate, not just because he was golfing, but because his golf clubs didn't fit in the trunk of his car. So he put them in the passenger seat and she had to drive her car. (laughs) That's yeah. That's, that's my situation. My, my clubs ride in the passenger seat of my Miata when I go play. And I, I can definitely see, see a day Spence that your Nimitz class SUV (laughs) won't have enough room in that. It happens with the, no vehicle has enough room behind the third row unless you're getting a cargo van, and I'm not no. driving a cargo van. <laughs> no, I. Uh, so it's funny the the whole roof rack thing. Um, back when, back when when cars and coffee was 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 more fun, um, <laughs> or frequent. Or there, was, there was a there were just a ton of people, so. Number one, GTIs. Dudes loved to drop GTIs. They had their air springs and they know how to let the air out, baby. They're sitting their ass on the ground. And there's always a roof rack on there because you know what? When I have a low riding vehicle that uh, doesn't have a lot of clearance to the road, that's what I want to do. I want to load stuff on top of it. Let's make it heavy. (laughs) There were also a ton of like, old E30 and like Bimmer 2002s with roof racks on it. And I don't know what the aesthetic is behind it. Like 
I've seen some that they look kind of cool, but like obviously th- this wasn't just a, a couple of people uh, having the idea in the Dayton, Cincinnati area, right? <laughs> that there, there was some sort of coordinated global uprising of compact bimmers w- with roof racks on them. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see whether those survive through the pandemic, right? When when we all uh, go to uh, cars and coffee again, whether whether the, that's still a thing. The, I mean, I get the utility. Like, I guess if if you're if you're like like John was going to be using this, so like I get the utility of having it on the 911. I, I guess if you live in an area close to skiing, I mean, I will say the one the one car that actually looked slightly cooler with something on it was in oh what was it for your eyes only yes the lotus the lotus. So lotus with the skis on top yes. oh my goodness the lotus with yes. the skis on top yes. was amazing looking <laughs> I, I was actually just watching that movie a couple of days ago and i was going to talk about how old like doorstop lodi with with the skis are, are so yeah. choice and that's that's pretty much a must have. They yeah. actually they have they do have ski holders uh for Porsches that are the same kind of bumper slant load and that that's looks so so, so cool. choice. That looks so, so cool. cool. <laughs> you if you ski you're legally required to drive your nine eleven with with one of those <laughs> sweet ass ski holders on it. Oh. To be fair, this girl I was dating not too long ago was walking up to my car for the first time ever. She goes, that's your tiny little car? I go, yeah. <laughs> she, and then uh, I go to put my bag in and I pop the trunk, which is drunk. And then she, she looks at me. She's like, are all the cars weird like this? <laughs> I, go, I put my thing. I go, yeah, you know, the engine's in the back. And then I get in the car and she goes, this is manual? I go, yeah. She goes, you chose that on purpose? I go, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that more work? Like, like, she sounds like a keeper. She's so practical. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Continue. And then uh, later in that night, she goes, uh, oh, yeah, I love skiing and snowboarding. And my first thought was, how the hell am I going to carry a pair of skis or a snowboard in this thing? That was like the nail in the coffin. I'm like, I got to get this damn thing so I can take this while skiing. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I love how this started off with the the girl that i was dating so obviously the roof rack was like real <laughs> successful <laughs> that's uh that's fun i'm married to the business yeah it's the one for life I've, I've given it all up <laughs> oh it's true though <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, I mean, I guess we can we can bring it back to watches a little bit uh, tangentially, I guess. So you came out with uh, a little magazine, which you were kind enough to also send me uh, after I think it came a couple days after I got the watch, uh, Brew Time. You want to mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that idea, and then kind of are you going to be doing that for most of your new releases going forward? Because I can say, as as an owner, it was really nice to kind of get all of the schematic, like it was, it was just a nice thing to sit down and actually spend an evening reading. And it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't something that took me a long time to read. I mean, it wasn't a, a very like thick technical manual by any means, but it was just nice to go through, kind of understand your design inspiration, the colors that you had chosen, you know, the, the movements a little bit more about each of those things. It was, it was a very nice piece to receive along with the watch. So I, I can say as a watch nerd, I completely appreciated it. 
Um, and it's it was very well done. It's actually, I think, probably what you're intending. It is sitting on my coffee table in the living room that we gate off so the kids don't go in the, go in there, which was where all the <laughs> fancy stuff is. Um, so it, I think that's where it's supposed to be. Uh, I will definitely make a magazine for every watch design and making the future. And the most important thing, similar to what we're doing right now is there's so much time, effort, and thought that goes into these watches that in, in today, everything just gets dismissed or, or received very quickly. And then you lose all the details that, that make it special. Like the word special is written probably a dozen times in that book because, um, the watches are important. The details are important. It's the people that also contribute unknowingly sometimes. And for me, when you have an online business, you, you make a product, it becomes cold because you just send it out. They like the way it looks. It gets worn. It's kind of forgotten over time. And I'm not there to deliver it. I don't have a store to give the full experiences I'd like. So why not inform future owners or whoever receives that watch or just the book, maybe um, more information on their specific watch, why it came to be, um, what are some of the details about it? And also one of the things that I really like is when I go out and people will introduce me like, Oh, this is John from brew watches. He makes, and I'm, I'm there listening. What do I make? <laughs> and they'll be like, uh, watches designed by espresso machines with these details on the crown, the case back, these bracelets, And, they go over the details, and sometimes I see the difference with my friends that really know it. And then some people are like, oh, he makes coffee watches. And I'm like, okay, we can, we can, we can do that too. <laughs> and, and so what I wanted was the most legitimate, proper, uh, informed client owner that receives a watch. And if somebody says, that's, you know, not just for other people, but for themselves they say, oh, that's a nice watch. They would understand all the details on this watch, the movement, the make of it, the size of it, but also what, what inspired? Oh, the crown? Oh, vented cutouts. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, okay. Um, that's Seiko movement. That, that's nice. Um, the color about this? Oh, ooh, this is really cool. So this is all inspired by espresso machines. I don't get it. And then they could say, oh, well, see these little train cutouts. If you look at these bespoke espresso machines, they'll say, I don't get it. And then in your head, you visually know what it is. So that, that communication barrier or misunderstanding that would have been there in the past, there's just so much more clarity for the owner and, and for people talking about this in the future. It's just, um, you know, the most important thing with watches sometimes is the conversation around it. And now I, I've just fueled up that conversation with, you know, more information, like real information on, on how it came to be. And I think it's just because I can't be there. You know what I mean? It's how do you inform people without physically delivering and talking to everybody, um, but still keeping it like as warm and personal as possible. And I think the magazine is not the perfect key to that, but I think it's a step in the right direction. No, it definitely is. I mean, I can, I can speak a little bit, it, you know, as an owner, I mean, one of the reasons why I was very excited about this is because we had talked to you back in May about what was coming and we hadn't seen designs yet, but like we, we knew something, something that was, you know, of a vein that we would both be, that we would all be interested in was coming. And it was, 
it was one of those where I know we had talked about maybe getting a, a review piece. And I was like, John, I, I've seen it. You don't need, like, I'm buying one. Don't, don't worry about sending me a review piece. Like, I'm going to just go ahead and buy this. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was, it was one of those things where I was like, this is, this is our buddy, John in New York who designs these watches that are inspired by, you know, these, these insanely cool espresso machines. And I get the details. And then, and then to have the magazine kind of walk you through that even, even more detailed. Like I, I had the broad story and, and a lot of it was because we had talked with you and we, we got, you know, we had it recorded and we had, you know, your design inspiration kind of, you know, recorded for posterity on episode 18. Um, but then to have it in writing, to be able to revisit it and to kind of hear you tell it again through that medium and see the pictures and, and, and all the details, it, it really made it, it made it a little bit more, I don't even say, like you said, I think it made it more personal. And I, mm -hmm. I'm one of the, probably one of your, I don't want to say few, because I have a feeling that you're a little bit more accessible than a lot of other brands out there. But I'm one of the owners who's actually had a video call with you now a couple of times um, to kind of understand, you know, but no, I think it, it made it, it made it that much more personal. And there's, there's the handwritten notes that you send. I, it just, it, it, you get that experience with a brand like yours. Like, and, and I can tell in talking with you, you know, this is something you're passionate about and you, you not only do you have the design background, and, but you have this passion for what you're doing. And I think that that comes out in the product and it comes out in just the whole experience of, of wearing and buying and, and talking to you about one of your pieces. I, I just, I think that that's the whole experience. That's what you're getting with a brew. And I love it. You know, I'll, I'll, the most interesting thing, thank you for saying that <laughs> and for appreciating this. I would say the most interesting thing about being in this position now is realizing that what I'm doing and what other brands are doing is essentially going against all odds. Like the bets are totally against every single one of these brands. It's just, the real answer is it's just a matter of time before they fade. Like that's the real answer. It doesn't make sense. And, you know, um, I am extremely into design, but I also have the more time that goes on, I have a good sense of, you know, the, the business side of this as well. And what I do, and when I talk to other investors, I don't actually have investors, it's still just me. They always say, what you're doing does not make sense. For what you charge, it does not make sense. For all the time that you put into each, they say, how, how long do you spend on each watch, designing and making? How much do you invest? How much time do you spend packing and shipping each watch? They go, it does not make sense. And they say, in the end, that's what you charge. And they say, you know, I would never invest in that. And it was so cool. And I don't do this to prove to people. It's, it's for myself. Like, I enjoy this. Like, I'm obsessed with it. It's a healthy obsession. It's so interesting when it's kind of like I'm betting against the house and we're still above water, but still climbing because that's, it's not supposed to happen, but it's still going. Like, statistically, you're not supposed to survive in this industry at this price point with one person, it's, it's the odds are against you tenfold, but it's still running. This engine so healthy. I can't believe it. I do. And that's why in, you know, at the last page, I, I thank all the kind brew owners because it's not just me. Um, like on paper, the team is Jonathan. Yes. But it's with the owners that appreciate and share and talk about it that it's able to have legs of its own and grow. 
but again, it's, it, it doesn't, it, it shouldn't be, you know, that that's what sometimes I'm just like, I'm blown away. And that's what I think also, and I, I speak for myself, but I think others may realize, maybe don't realize it. You want every release that you make to be the very best one. Maybe thinking that this could be your absolute last design that you put out there. I think there, there's a realization that you really need to have, whether you're MBNF, Max Booster, or a simple micro brand. You really have to have that realization that if this was your last design that you ever put out there into the big wide world, would this be something that you would be content with, with, with leaving your mark on? You know, would you feel so proud and excited and content with this final piece? And I think if it checks that box, then it's like you're going the right direction. And even if the odds are against you, it's like, how can you still not be thrilled? You know, that's a great take on it. That's an absolutely great take on it. <laughs> I mean, we, obviously we talked about Spangler. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, you know, Jonathan, you said that it's, it's so hard to survive in this scene and what you're doing, what so many other brands are doing with what you're charging, how you do it, all that kind of stuff. But it's, it's so strange because when it comes to brew and what I've like seen from your brand, it's, I look at a lot of other brands and I'm like, what are they going to do next in terms of like, Oh my gosh, are they going to make a chronograph? Are they going to make a GMT? Are they going to make like a dress piece? So many like different factors of what they could be doing. But when it comes to brew, the one thing that always sticks out to me is that you said you're a design guy and it's, I'm not really looking forward to like what complication or what thing you're going to come out with next. It's, I'm just so interested in what design you're going to do because like I said, I was a barista for five years. Like I'm really passionate about this stuff too. Like I love espresso. I love coffee. I love all that kind of stuff. And when you design it off of that and like you've had such different takes on that, you know, with the Mastergraph, the Retrograph, and, you know, it's just so cool to see what you're coming out with and what you will come out with. And that's what I appreciate so much about your brand in particular, is that I don't look forward, like, what new complication, what new fancy sport watch, since everyone in this generation is all about sports watches, that you're going to come out with. It's what new design and what new interpretation you're going to take off of just what you go off of. And it's, it's cool to see that. And it's cool to see that people still give a shit about design like you do. Thank you, Evan. Yeah, it's, it's that is the best point made tonight. It's <laughs> it's not yeah, it's not a matter of John put a GMT in his retromatic. He added a, another hand. It's the same watch. He's got another <laughs> hand, and it's a different color dial. That's. I'm bored of that, and I see it every time. And I would never name names of brands, but they all do it. Yeah. Um, so it, it's good that you mentioned that. But here's the challenge. I have to say to myself, this is the point you made, and it's so good. What do I release each time? That, and this is a surprise for myself because I don't like to know. <laughs> that a current brew owner would feel that, ooh, this next one is so special and different. I would want to get that one too. And not necessarily that I need to have an owner that has multiple watches from me, but it has to be enough of a leap in a new exciting direction that they go, huh, well, that was new and different enough. It's not just, I ah, tossed the bezel on it. Okay. It's like, <laughs> that's, it's like, oh, he used like 
the rocket espresso machine, like uh, the knobs from that. And he put it into the crown and that's like some really cool radical crown I've never seen before. Oh, and it's a manual one. Oh, so that feels really cool on my fingertips. Oh, did John just foreshadow something for next year? Like, so I don't know. Like, like, <laughs> think about? I don't know. So like, it's got to be a surprise every time. I mean, I think but, I think he hit the nail on the head. I mean, I, I wanted to ask you what was next, but he kind of talked about it. Like, this this is a three-hand watch with a date at six. There it is. There it is. Now it's on screen. Not that anybody at home can see it. Um, and it, it was one of the most exciting releases for me this year, such that it's like this add to cart, check out, let's go. It was, it was, it, I don't know, it wasn't, an, it, describing it like that makes it seem like an impulse buy, but it was like it, it wasn't it wasn't it was something that it was like it was is so totally different from anything in my collection that like i said i smile every time i put it on and i i keep i keep giving everett a little bit of shit everett from uh 40 and 20 because they had a review piece and i think he sent it back to you and he talks about how much this is it and i'm like he's gotta, he's still gotta send it back oh he's not sent it back okay he needs to send it back <laughs> everett i'm gonna give you we're gonna ever send it back but what i was gonna say is like I, I joke with them, I was like, I don't miss mine because I, I see it every day. Whether or not I'm wearing it, I see it every day in the watch box. And I'm smiling. And if I want to wear it that day, guess what? It goes on the wrist. Like it, it's such a cool and unique design. And it looks like nothing else in the case, like nothing else. I mean, it's even the only burgundy watch I own. Like, and that was why I chose that color. Your other colorways are great. But I was like, wow, that, that burgundy dial really just, it pops. Like it's, it's one of those things oh where I'm looking God. at it. I don't know if I said it on the last episode, but I, another philosophy I have is one day when we're all really old and we have kids that are like, oh, hey, grandpa or, or nephews, nieces, and they're looking at our watch box and we're getting to that age. And they said, you know, mm, I see some round, round safe watches and they go, oh, that, that one is really cool. My philosophy was I want to have that watch that's not just different for the sake of being different, but would stand out apart from the rest in your watch box. I, I don't know if I said that in the last episode. That's like another box checked off. If it were overcome with watches, like we see every watch out there. I, I mean, if anyone, if you have any friend or family member that has a watch in mind, like mm, I had this one watch I saw, you're just like, what letter does it start with? <laughs> yeah. What color is it? And then you can tell them in like five seconds. It's good and bad. I, I, I think it, it's good. We know all the watches out there, but it's bad because we know that almost all the watches out there are very similar. Yeah. So there's like this tone of you want to be different, but not different just for the sake of being different. You have to offer something different with a special twist that has some reason or, or thought behind it. Mm-hmm. So, so other than that manual wind with the really cool crown that you were just talking about, um, <laughs> and I know this watch, this one was just released, just released back in September, October. It seems October seems like it, it shouldn't be that far away, but we're, I mean, December starts yeah. next week. Like this podcast is going to air on December 1st. Um, wow. I can't remember exactly the release, um, the release date of the, of the retromatic. So what are what are what are the next couple of months hold for you? What are you thinking? Where do you go next? Other, like I said, other than the manual wind. Uh... <laughs> yeah. So realistically, um, 
I won't have anything till probably summer. Like we're, we're talking like August, September of next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so most of these watches will be gone in the next two weeks. I still can't believe it myself. And so the blue ones are sold out and the other ones, there's not many left. So those will be gone before Christmas. That means from January till August, I've got to do something special. So again, being very blunt, I don't have anything that will be released before those, those X amount of months. However, I have to sit tight and just focus on the, the next design and make it like groundbreaking. You know, it has, it has to surprise the hell out of myself and it has to be something that, as I said, even if it was the last thing ever with this, you know, even if I didn't make, even if I just made one of it, would it be on every magazine just to be talked about because it was so wildly ridiculous? I'm not talking about making like a Richard Mill like candy watch, <laughs> but along the lines of like, that was kind of ridiculous, but in a cool way, I would love to read more. And, you know, it's, there, there's, there's that one part practicality, like it has to be a rational watch, but then the other part is, yeah, it has to be that one last hoorah, coolest watch ever. It's a very, it's a very strange, interesting, exciting position to be in. And, and I, I shared with you last time the details before I even released it, because sometimes you are in an echo chamber, uh, like a, a silo of your, your own mind and creativity. And that's why I, I always keep my box next to me because I like to see the evolution too, where I say, Oh, this is where you started. Don't forget your roots. And you know, how have you progressed and where do you imagine the next one would be? Because, you know, I think, as a brand, you still have to have some consistency, both with your philosophy and but your overall aesthetic has to kind of all sing together with some visual balance. So there, it's it's like the art and science, you know, it has to logically make sense, but you know, has to has to look and sound just right. Not sound, but look right. <laughs> well, it's got to tick the right way. If it doesn't sound right. It probably wouldn't. Be, yeah, you know, you gotta make sure you get get, get that movement checked out if it doesn't sound right. <laughs> or did it, well, I had somebody today that emailed me. He says, uh, you know, the watch is like seven seconds too fast. And I, and I look, I was like, ooh, um, okay, okay. Um, well, technically, like a Salida could be like plus or minus anywhere from like twelve to thirty seconds. I didn't want to say your watch is burning excellent sir <laughs> like that's almost within cosk like seven yeah. seconds is almost within cosk <laughs> um, but you know that was another nod towards like i think people are buying it for the design mm-hmm. uh, they don't always understand the movement so i'm not going to be a movement guy just yet i think it's super cool but not yet um but um yeah what was the thing with him what was it movements Oh yeah, I was just interested. I said, "Wow, how are people are testing their watches these days?" And then, then I take a step back I, and I said, "I think people just want to reach out just to say hello sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's as that, you know, just to see that you're there and you're you're supporting the brand." Yeah, I mean, I, I, I we we covered a lot of ground tonight, um, and you're always one of our favorite interviews because. 
I think we talked about this repeatedly. And I know the three of us have, and I know we've messaged back and forth. That first interview in episode 18, you were on fire. Like it was, it was, I, 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 I still use that episode as the benchmark for how good our interviews have been because that one was so good. And I, and you know, I, I think we've gotten there tonight just because again, I think that there's, there's something, there's something you're so thoughtful about what you're working on and you, you, you're able to relate it in a way that, you know, people who like me, I don't work in design at all for a living. And I, I get what you're going for. And I, you know, just the whole philosophy of, if this is the last thing I'm ever able to do with this, would I be proud of it? I think is a great, great philosophy. And I can tell you as an owner of, of your last design, I hopefully, hopefully not the last design for it, but the last one that you just released, the one that just came out of your most recent, let's call it your most recent design. Let's, let's put it that way. It's just, it's, it's a watch that makes me happy every time I wear it. And it's part of it's the personal, personal connection. It's the details. It's the way it feels on the wrist. It's, it's, I appreciate the bracelet that I loved even more now have it after having you talk about it. Like um, I can see Buzzy's counting down. I, on, was it the blue or the green that you liked? I can't remember, Buzzy. I, you know, it was the blue. <laughs> uh, okay. also, well, maybe the green. Too too slow. You, you sent that very nice uh, letter last time with the watch. When you sent it back. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, you're really welcome. appreciate that. Yeah. So Everett, Absolutely apparently there's not, still a few green ones left, Everett. So Everett needs to pull the trigger on that green one. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I, I can really say, I think for the three of us, we're very excited to whatever it is that you come out with next. And I'm, I, you know, I'm happy to wait until August, September, October of next year. I'm really excited to see what it is. And it's not because it's going to be a complication. It's not because it's going to be a chronograph. It's not because it's going to be something different. It's because it's going to be a brew. And I, I can, I know what it's, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know what your family is. And I'm really excited to see the next one. Like I, I truly am. Because I don't even know what it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> we, we know well, it's not going to be. A, we know it's not going to be a candy watch like a Richard Meal, which to me yeah. leaves the door open for like a HM Moser style Swiss cheese watch. Maybe um, <laughs> yeah. when you said, when you said it has to, uh, has to sound right. Maybe oh, there's an al- alarm complication or a grand sonnery. Who knows? <laughs> I was thinking minute repeater. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> focus group. <laughs> yeah, yeah, an unfocused group is more yeah. like good <laughs> lord. That would be us. Um, but no, John, we we really appreciate you coming on again. Um, you know, it's it's been an absolute blast chatting with you. Um, you know, just to get a little bit more. Does, you know, in your head, the thoughtfulness of the design, your inspiration, like I said, really excited to see what comes next, whenever that is Uh thrilled owner right here. Um, so, you know, really appreciate you coming on. Um, and, you know, we obviously hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. Wish you get, wish you the best through the holidays. I'm hoping everybody uh, adds that nice little uh, black box that says Bruna is a stocking stuffer. Anybody listening? Um, Cause they, they make great <laughs> gifts. Uh <laughs> So, thank you, Michael. Uh, thanks for having me. And we definitely have to talk again before anything. Next time we should talk will be the next time that I have a prototype milled out, ready in hand, and we could talk about it. And and then we could talk about how it changes after. Yeah, we, we should we should have more of a process discussion. We can we can. Yes. De- John, I I am open to talk whenever, just because I like like I said, these conversations are so much fun. 
Um, even if we don't record it, it'd be awesome to record it. But even if we don't, like, happy to get on the yeah. horn with you because this, th- these, you know, just you, watching you think of it, like, just the, what you described with the manual wine, what, like, even if that's not what comes out next, that's an idea. That's a pretty cool sounding idea to me. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, wh- why not? Why, why can't that eventually be a thing? Like, that's W215 at like yeah. 3.35 millimeters thickness. That would be kind of cool. I don't know. <laughs> he's, he's already got it working <laughs> in his head now. All right. If, if it is that, you guys heard it here first on December 1st, which is a couple days from now. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, glad glad we could have this conversation. Uh, I hope everybody. I can't imagine they didn't enjoy it. I've enjoyed this one again, just as much as number eighteen. So like it, this has been a ton of fun. It's always a pleasure, John. Wish you the best. Really excited to see what comes next, and we we truly mean that. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. You too. See ya. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. If you like what you hear, please take the time to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We are enthusiasts, not experts, so don't at us. But you can find us on Instagram at whiskey.and.watches.podcast. Also, visit our website at zeitswatches.com. Zeitz is spelled Z-E-I-T-Z.